And thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast from Connect Church. We'd like to invite you to join us in person at 1101 West Grand in Ponca City, Oklahoma, or on Facebook Live. Go to connectchurchpc.com to learn more about how we are helping people connect every day. We are a people, connected people, all in God's love. Terry called me and she goes, hey, this is what this guy from Iran said, that the church is under a satanic lullaby. And I said, yes, it is. And she goes, this isn't new to you? And I said, no. I said, I've been saying this for the last year as I, I've watched pastors tell lies to people. And it upsets me. And I, I've confronted pastors I know who are lying to their people. I said, you need to stop lying. And you need to get in the word of God. You need to start praying. And you need to get your life right with God. I don't take preaching lightly. Uh, it, it's, I mean, I love to preach, don't get me wrong. But when I pour into the scripture, I want to find out what exactly is it that God's saying to us. And we, as the church, should never chase after the world. I love, Erwin McManus said this one time, he said, we should be so radically different that the world is chasing to catch up with the church instead of the church chasing to catch up with the world. Think about that, what that would be. That, that's our goal, that's our, our passion, that's our, our desire is that, is that we would so turn the world upside down that the world's like, you know what, we gotta catch up with the church. There, there are too many of us who have been sung this lullaby that says, man, if, if we could only be a little bit more like the world, if we could only fit in a little bit better, if we could only do this a little bit better, but instead God's calling us not to fit in, but to be radically set apart. That's what God is calling us to be. Jesus had an uphill climb. He had his 12 disciples, and in his 12 disciples, he had three, and inside of three, he had one. And, and sometimes those three, and I'm sorry, if I was Jesus, I would just look at him and go, what are you, deaf, dumb, stupid? What's wrong with you? They, they came to Jesus in Luke chapter 9, and an argument, it start, starts in verse 46, an argument started among the disciples as to which one of them was the greatest. Can you see this? I'm greater than you. Watch how great I am. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child that he had beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is the least among you, he is the greatest. He, he's saying, humble yourself. If you want to be first, be last. And then you, you think, oh, man, he, he solved this problem, right? Problem solved. Let's move on to the next step. But the night that Jesus betrayed, the same argument arose in Luke chapter 22, a dispute arose among them as to which was considered the greatest. If I'm Jesus, I'm just going, come on, guys. 
We already covered this. I did this lesson plan. I had, I had great pie charts and everything, and you slept right through it. Just go back and watch the YouTube video and catch up to where we all are. But here's what Jesus says. The, king, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you're not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, but I among you as one who serves? So all this sets the table for, for an event that takes place at the Last Supper. The Last Supper being that last meal that Jesus had with the disciples. It was their celebration of Passover. All these great things are taking place. The 12 disciples are there. There's people who are serving. There are people running around. And then Jesus does something completely off his rocker. He shows them what it means to be a servant. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time for him had come and that he would leave this world to go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he took up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to, sur- the, began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel and wrapping them around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Peter replied, not just my feet, my hands, and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. That is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing the feet, he put put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I am your Lord and teacher, I have washed your feet. You should also wash another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. First things off, if you are a Jewish person, you're living in the Middle East, in this time, the person who washed the feet was the lowest servant of all. Jesus, they called him rabbi, teacher, Aramaic, rabboni. They they called him master. They, They called him Lord. When they all dipped their hands, they said, surely not I, Lord. And yet, The supreme being of the universe became a servant to everybody. How many people in your homes have your your children wash bathrooms? Specifically toilets. How many of them love toilet duty? 
I mean, they're like, man, that, this week, I want to wash the toilet. I love washing the toilet. I love scrubbing all those little marks around the toilet. I love cleaning the toilet. This is so amazing. I love it. They go and they have those tweetable moments. Hashtag, wash the toilet today. Your kids don't do that? No. I mean, my kids do that all the time. They're like, hey, it's my turn. They get in fights over it. Okay, they don't actually get in fights over it. They get in fights over who, who doesn't do it. And so here's Jesus who's saying, you know what, guys? If you want to be greatest, if you want to be supreme being, if you want to lord it over everybody, that you are king of kings and lord of lords, watch what the king of kings and lord of lords does. He becomes a servant. This couple goes in to see the doctor. Husband's a little bit hard of hearing, so he took the wife in to translate to him what the doctor was saying. Doctor ran a battery of tests, and he said, sir, your stress level's high. And he goes, what? I can't hear you. And the wife says, you're too stressed. And so he says again, he goes, well, ma'am, you can extend his life for the next six months you serve him hand and foot. Don't make him stress about anything. Help him out. Wash his clothes. Make his bed. Help him brush his teeth. Make sure to cut up his food for him and feed him and be there every step of the way serving him. If you do all of this for the next six months, he'll live a long and happy life with you. He goes, what did he say? She looked at him and says, you're going to die next week. <laughs> There's something about serving that just, oh, it's so hard. And it goes against our, our natural tendencies. But you see, a servant's job is to do all that we can to make life better for others. To free them up in everything they can be. A servant's first interest is not in himself, but others. Servanthood is a loving choice to make, that we make to minister to others. Servanthood is our choice that we make to minister to others, to, to lift them up, to help carry their load. And here we have in Jesus a picture of humility. It, it tells us right there in, in verses 3 through 5, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he come from God and was returning to God. Because Jesus knew where his identity was, right? His identity was, I came from God, I was there at creation, I was put here on planet Earth to die on a cross and rise from the grave. He knew all of that. So because he knew who his relationship was with God, he had no problem serving. So basically, here's what I'm saying. If we're... If we know what our relationship with is as a child of God, we don't have a problem serving. We, we tell our kids this all the time. Why do I have to clean the bathroom? Why do I have to dust? Why do I have to do this? Why, why, why? Because you are a child, and we are teaching you to be adults. But it comes in that relationship. Jesus knew who he was. And because of that... He didn't have a problem wrapping the towel around his waist and washing feet. D.L. Moody says, every Bible should be bound in leather, shoe leather. We should be willing to get out there and go to the streets. As the lady said, don't be a come and see, but a go and do. See, it's easy to, to buy into the atmosphere, to buy into, to, to watch things, but to actually get involved and see what God is doing. But here's what the Apostle Paul says. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God, didn't consider his position with God something to be grasped, something to chase after, but willingly poured it out. The same Apostle Paul said this, my life is a drink offering and I'm already poured out. Does anyone in here have problems with humility? Stop pointing at me, Terry. We, we were, I was fortunate, a good friend of mine is now my boss, Dr. Reverend Devin Smith. I call him Rev Dev. Drives Terry crazy. But he was here and he met with the board and, and afterwards he got ready to leave. He told a story about when God spoke into my life and called me without a shadow of a doubt in ministry and the next morning I went and knocked on his, his dorm door to talk to him and I said, Devin, I go, uh, God just called me in the ministry. And I, I love what he told the board. He goes, you know, Mark was cocky back in college. Stop nodding your head, Terry. That's just disrespectful. <laughs> Stop it. They're going to make me blush. And he goes, I, I remember he said, I was like, man, God, are you sure you want Mark to be in ministry? Because he really is, you know, cocky. And this is what he said. He goes, but, you know, seeing how God can use anyone and everyone. The price of humility, it isn't thinking less about yourself. It's just merely thinking about yourself less. We raise boys in our house. Here's the thing about raising men. They all want to be the alpha male. They all want to be the alpha male. So on a regular basis in our house, there will be wrestling matches to see who's the alpha male. Just by the way, I'm still undefeated. And, and Terry the entire time is going, this is so stupid. Why would you guys do this? But there, there's something inside of us that says, I want to be number one. I mean, even out in, in the hallway earlier, between right before Sunday school, Jack pushed me on the ground. I fell. I could have died. I mean, I'm old, right? But humility is saying I don't have to be on top every time. Humility is saying, you know what? Somebody else can be elevated. Humility is raising other people up. And that's what Jesus was saying. He said, you know, there's these fights, and I'm getting tired of the fights of who's number one, who's, who, who's the best. Jesus said, just go out there and do the work of ministry. Just go out there and do it. In verses 15 and 16, Jesus said, I've set you an example that you should be, that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. I mean, just that... A picture of humility. And then we have fake humility. We're going to talk about Peter. Peter's sitting there and he's sitting in his chair. 
And Jesus is getting ready to wash his feet. And it, Jesus grabs his feet. Peter yanks him away and goes, no, no, you, you can't do that. Because in Peter's mind, it's like, if you wash my feet, if you do that, then I'm going to have to go out and wash other people's feet. And I don't want to do that. But he veiled it all in this. You're my rabbi. You're my teacher. You're my Lord. I'm unworthy of you. It was not about unworthiness. It was about Peter remembering this. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? You are the rock. What a great name to be called Peter. The Greek word is Petros. The Hebrew word is Cephas. It means rock. And everybody had known that Peter, at, up to that point, at times he met Jesus, was not a rock. He was Simon, sifting sand. And he goes, you are the rock. I mean, every time Peter got up to preach, here's what he'd say. Welcome to the rock. I mean, what a great opening, right? And so Jesus said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. This is the rock. I'm going to build something on it. So Peter's like, how can you build a church on me if you want me to go out and wash people's feet? I'm not doing it. I'm too good for that. I don't deserve, I I don't want to do that. I deserve better. There was a sense of a fake humility about it. You guys ever watched the movie Back to the Future 3? You can, you, you can actually watch Back to the Future 1, it, it, it's kind of a standalone, but 2 and 3 you kind of have to watch in one setting because it all it bleeds into one another. But the, Marty McFly, who's a lead character, Michael J. Fox, Alex B. Keaton, for those of you who love Family Ties, he had a character flaw that followed him through life. And it was, he didn't want anybody to call him chicken, anyone to call him yellow, he didn't want anybody to, to tell him that he couldn't do something. He had short man's disease. He always wanted to be the big dog, and it never happened for him. So, watch this scene as Marty gets himself in trouble. I told you to watch your back, Smithy. Lieutenant, are you early? It's a derringer, Smithy. Small but effective. Last time I used it, fella, it took two whole days to die. Bled to death inside. It was real. <laughs> that means you'll be dead by about supper time Monday. Excuse me, I don't know who you think you are, but we're dancing. Well, look you what we have here. Ain't you gonna introduce me to the lady? I'd like a dance. I wouldn't give you the pleasure. You'll just have to go ahead and shoot. Jerk. 
Mighty strong words, Brunt. You mad enough to back him up with more than just a pie plate? Look, just leave my friends alone. What's wrong, dude? You yell! Nobody calls me yellow. Let's finish it right now. Oh, uh, not now, Buford. Uh, Marshall's got our guns. Like I said, we'll finish this tomorrow. Tomorrow we're robbing the Pine City stage. What about Monday? We doing anything Monday? No, Monday be fine. You can kill him on Monday. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there. Out in the street. In front of the palace alone. Yeah, right. When? High noon? Noon. I do my killing before breakfast. Seven o'clock. Eight o'clock. I do my killing after breakfast. Marty. He got so tied up into what someone thought of him. No one calls me yellow. How many times do we allow that to affect us? I don't want to serve because someone will think, who are you? What are you doing here? I don't want to roll my hands up and get involved because someone will think that I, I'm, I'm not actually in charge and somebody else is. It's embarrassing. Why do I want to serve? That's where Peter was coming from. There was a, a false sense of humility where he, he was saying the right things to Jesus, but in actuality, he was covering his own assets, thinking, you know, I'm going to be the leader someday, and as leader, I don't want to do this. I remember thinking to myself as a kid, when I become an adult, I'm not going to clean the bathroom. There's only a problem with that. When you become an adult, if you don't clean the bathroom... There's nobody else to clean the bathroom. You have to clean the bathroom. And so you clean it. And then you have kids. And you're sitting there and as you're singing Kumbaya to them, as you're singing the, the lullabies of bed, you're telling them one day you will grow up to clean the bathroom and take out the trash. <laughs> we get so tied up with our prestige, with who we are, with who we think we are, and we have a false sense of humility. And here's what I want you to, to, to grasp from this. Jesus even served Judas. I, I don't know, this one's tough for me to, to, to swallow. Because Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. It, it says there that that. The devil had already prompted Judas to do what he was going to do, to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knew that. Judas knew that. Judas was there at the dinner. And Jesus washed his feet. I'll tell you something. I don't mind serving someone that I like. But to serve someone who's going to hurt me? Man. I even kind of have to pass up on that one. That's tough. How do I do that? If you want to be the greatest in your field, 
no matter what it may be, equip yourself to render greater service than anyone else. When my dad talked to me before my first ever real job where I had to go in and clock in, this is what he said to me. Show up 15 minutes early, leave 15 minutes late, and volunteer for every bad job that they have available. So guess what I was doing at 16 years old? Ironically, I was cleaning toilets. I'm working at a fast food place and making ice cream cones, which by the way, if you want an ice cream cone, I can make really fancy ice cream cones. But I also had to clean toilets. It, <laughs> I washed my hands before I made the ice cream cones, just by the way, in case you guys were concerned about that. But you've got to learn to serve. John 13, 10 and 11, Jesus answered, a person has a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you're clean, though not every one of you. Man, that, that just, that messes with me right there. Does it mess with you that Jesus washed Judas' feet? And sometimes we, we think of foot washing from a Western world perspective where we all wear closed-toed shoes and we have socks on and, and our feet might sweat a little bit and they might smell a little funky. But in a first century world, do you know what their travel by choice was? If they had travel, they usually walked dirty roads. But it was horses and donkeys. And there was these... Uh, pellets all throughout the street that would step in and they would mush between your toes. That's why they would wash your feet. Now for an even grosser picture, they didn't sit at the table the way we do where we sit down like this and we had the table set out there and we're able to eat. They reclined and laid down there. So as you're reclining at the table, guess what? Someone's feet are in your face. Now you understand why they washed feet before they would eat? Jesus knew everything. He could have easily come to Judas and said, Judas, I'm not washing your feet. In fact, I'm not serving you dinner tonight. Go out, go find McDonald's, whatever you need to do, but I am not serving you tonight. Take that 30 pieces of silver that you got and go buy yourself a Big Mac. But what did Jesus do? He served him. Still just blows my mind. A servant's job is to do all he can to make life better for others, to free them up to be everything they can be. A servant's first interest is not in himself, but others. Servanthood is a loving choice we make to minister to others. Have you ever really looked at birds? B birds fly in a distinct pattern. If they get scared, they, they leave and they scatter, and that, that's how they do things, except for one bird, the bald eagle, Eagles and, eagle, any kind of eagle. Most birds can only see directly in front of them. A bald eagle, they say, can see for up to five miles away. A bald eagle will stake out its territory and will not leave unless it's injured and has to go and recover. And then when it recovers, it comes back to its territory. I think that sometimes God calls us, he's saying, you know what, don't just be any bird out there, but be a bald eagle. Know what your territory is, stake out your claim, and serve that area. I think that's what God is calling you to be. 
God is calling for men and women to stand up with vision and say, you know what, this is my territory. I'm going to stay here. There's some questions that we need to ask ourselves in closing today. Who do I know that needs their feet washed? Who do I know that, that needs to be served? Who can I serve? There are people all around us, and we say, man, I, I could serve this person. I could serve that person. I could get involved. I can make a difference. Who can I serve? What opportunity has been presenting itself? Do you see opportunities around you that are presenting itself, places where I can serve? What talent can I use for God? God says, what are your talents? What are you going to use? How are you going to use this? How are you going to use that? And then finally, how can I exalt my Lord and Savior to those around me to go and do? When we leave the four walls of this building, actually this is eight, eight walls, but we'll pretend it's four. When we leave and go out into the mission field which God has given us, how do we use that to tell people about Jesus? And really, Father, I just thank you right now, God. I, I pray, Lord, that you'd speak into our lives. Help us, God, just to, to chase after you. Help us, God, to, to know you, to come before you, Lord. And I just pray, God, that as we practice the holy habit of, of, of serving God, whether it's serving here at church, getting involved in nursery and children's ministry, in uh, taking care of the building and taking care of grounds, God, whether it's in uh, first impressions, wherever we get involved in God, I pray that we would... Proclaim your name and proclaim your love everywhere we go. I pray, God, that you would truly challenge us to be servants. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.